This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Drew Everhart. All right, welcome back. So this week I've been racking my brain, pretty much just trying to figure out what to talk about because, you know, offseason's starting to wind down the NBA. Uh, college basketball has just started practicing. Thought I could talk about stuff like that, but nothing is really, really, nothing's very much jumped out to me. Like, it's a big deal that all the colleges are starting practice right now, but nothing is really coming about it. That much aren't like seeing Imani Bates at Memphis in a couple practices. And then you go over to NBA where media day just, or like media days, I think it was like two or three days, just happened, you know, where all the players take pictures, answer questions, and film some goofy stuff that they'll put on the Jumbotron for the games. So one thing I thought was how about I just go through all the biggest draft busts according to Bleacher Report and NBC Sports and just have me react to them because some of these are not busts, in my opinion. I think they're just reaching for it because the term bust gets thrown around quite a bit and often way too early on people. Like, I swear when Markel Fultz, when he was drafted number one, like, seconds after he got drafted, I swear people were calling him a bust already. It's like he hasn't even played an NBA game yet. He hasn't even played in summer league yet. You've only seen him at Washington where not that much on him from Washington because, let's be honest, only people in Washington or the West Coast really watch Washington basketball. No offense. If there's any Washington Huskies out there listening, I doubt it, but it's just the way it is. And that kind of hurt Markel Fultz's whole persona. Then I find out it's like, oh, it's like he has to redo his shot because people were saying that it doesn't look good and it's not effective for the NBA, so you have to change it. And he's doing fine now for the Magic. He's not an all-star or anything, but he's doing pretty well. Is he a bust? Yeah. Is it because of the media? Probably. Not going to lie. Because everyone's just hounding him because pretty much that whole thing, that whole draft is all about Lonzo Ball, or more LeVar Ball. It's just all LeVar Ball stuff, and it's about how... Lonzo's going to go to the Lakers and all that. So the Sixers can have Markel Fultz. We don't want to go number one. We'll go number two to L.A. It's like, what are you talking about? Don't you always want to be number one? I get the situations are different, but Philly at that point was a solid team, and they were contending for playoff spots at that point. So off track, of course, but uh, let's just get into these lists. And some of these guys are they're on these lists. I'm just not going to talk about them because I'm not that well-versed in their career or what happened with them. So just going to go over some of the highlights. First, from the NBC Sports page, uh, number one of well, their last one, first on the list, how about that? It goes from uh, 15 to 1. I'm not doing all 15, like I said. The number 15, they have Joe Barry Carroll, which – Look, I'm a Purdue guy, okay? I'm I'm a Purdue fan. I'm a bit biased here. 
doesn't Joe Barry Carroll's all-star game automatically make him not a bust? Like, do I have to ask that? He made an all-star team. And I mean, like, he averaged 17 points per game. I think that's just on... I don't think he did that much with it. That's why he has such high averages. But this guy made an all-star team. How is he a bust? I'll tell you why he's a bust. One, from what I heard from when I would ask my dad about Joe Barry Carroll, because I wanted to learn about all the uh, NBA players that went to Purdue. He said that with Joe Barry Carroll, once he got the money, he just didn't care. So that's one thing where you can be very, very good in college and high school. But then once you start to make money or get fame off of it, it, you don't want to work as much, which is a shame because Joe Barry Carroll was really good at Purdue, averaging 17 points, I think like 11 rebounds. He was a monster. And just the fact that also with Joe Barry Carroll, he was in one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. At that point in time, in 1980, the Boston Celtics had the number one pick, but they decided to trade it instead of taking Joe Barry Carroll, instead of going with, I don't know, Daryl Griffith. I don't think he would have fit, but, you know, he was the number two pick then. They decide to trade back to the three spot for with the Warriors, and they also got Robert Parrish in the trade. And at that point, Robert Parrish was not that great. I mean, he was a solid center and all. I think he started a little, but at that point, Robert Parrish was nothing. He wouldn't, he's not even sniffing the Hall of Fame in Golden State. So then he goes to Boston, of course, you know, DJ, Larry, and, Kev- and Kevin McHale was the was who the Celtics picked with the third pick. So you have two Hall of Famers for a guy who just made one all-star team. And, oh, yeah, he's a bust. You know, he didn't live any expectations. There's a lot of weird trades, dude. Like, when you look at, there's so many lopsided trades, like Barkley to uh, Phoenix. Jeff Hornacek goes to the uh, 76ers and a couple other people. Jeff Hornacek was the main one. Oh, yeah, uh, just because he's, you know, Charles Barkley wanted to win the MVP. What was uh, Jeff Hornacek going to do? He wasn't going to do anything. Okay? It's not like the expectations were that high for him. And I get it, number one pick, expectations are really high. And he should have done better. But you still made an all-star team. And you cannot get that taken away from you. You did so well in the season that you considered, like, a top four or five center in the league at that point in time. Oh, yeah, he's a bust. And again, I'm biased. I'm a big Purdue fan. But you cannot tell me my argument is not valid. He made an all-star team. Next up is Danny Ferry. He went to Duke, and he was drafted number two in 1989 by the Clippers. And he just said, nah, I don't want to play. I'm not playing for the Clippers, which, you know, at that point is kind of understandable. 
even now it's like kind of understandable. Oh yeah, terrible franchise. I'm, yeah, I get it. I think the only reason that he did that was because his dad played in the league, but I think his dad was an executive at that point, and his dad was telling him, "You do not want to play for the Clippers." One, you're playing the fiddle to the Lakers. It, you're not originally from LA, which I mean the Lakers aren't either, but that's the Lakers. LA is their city. No one really cares about them in Minneapolis anymore. They got Timberwolves now. But you're not originally from Los Angeles. You're coming into a town where, again, the Lakers are king. You know, you got Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, all these legends. And they're like, oh, yeah, let's just move to L.A., you know, big market. It's not how that works, one. (laughs) But two, again, it's just an awful franchise. The best player in that franchise was Bob McAdoo, and that was when they were in Buffalo. Oh, and by the way, Bob McAdoo was the sixth man on on the Lakers back in the 80s. So even like your best player in your franchise history is on the other team in your city. That's rough. But anyways, Danny Ferry decided, no, I'm not playing for you. I'm going to Italy, and I'm, I'm just going to play in Italy. I'm not playing for the Clippers. So I think they eventually traded him to the Cavs where – yeah, he wasn't good. This one I agree with. And part of the uh, persona with him not wanting to play in L.A., I think that goes into it. Just be like, man, come on, man up. play, Just play. But, and the NBC Sports article says, you might notice that this guy is a general who that drafted LeBron James. Is that really a big uh, point for you to make? Anyone would have taken LeBron James at that point. One, he's from Akron, so you have the hometown kid there. He's also the best kid in the draft. What are you talking about? He's He was one of the only players in high school to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They called him the chosen one on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So it's not, oh yeah, he praise this guy. He drafted LeBron James. What are you talking about? I would have drafted LeBron James. I was two years old when that draft happened. I would have been able to draft LeBron. By the way, the first player to ever be put on a Sports Illustrated as a high school player, Rick Mount of Lebanon, Indiana, and also of Purdue. So there you go. You got another Purdue point in there from me, of course. What else is new? Next up is Jay Williams, where he's not a bust. If you don't know what happened, Jay Williams was on his way to becoming an all-star player, did very well in his first season, and uh, he had a motorcycle accident, and he almost died. So, And, yeah, those injuries set him down a path that wasn't great. Uh, he had, I think he had many battles. I, I'll have to... Make sure on that. I I need to get his book. I know he had a book, and it's well received. But come on, man, Jay Williams a bust. That's what I'm saying. People just throw it out there. This dude was drafted what number two overall. Yeah, number two. Oh, he didn't do good. He played what one season. What's wrong with him? He must he must have sucked. It's a bust. What are you talking about? This dude almost died. 
People calling him a bust. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And Jay now, he's a really good analyst on college game day when basketball season comes around. And that's that's the show to be on for college basketball. It's it's probably the only show to be on. Because when you go back and you see when you were able to bring students into the stadium and all that, it gets rowdy during college game day. And that's at like nine o'clock. Getting like the tip off is at seven. And they're in there at nine AM going crazy. And you're like, have these kids even had breakfast? Then you're like, oh wait, they probably haven't slept. So, yeah, again with Jay Williams, I I don't know, man. He's not I know he's not a bust, I'll tell you that. Next up is Robert Trailer. Uh did, honestly, did anyone think Trailer's going to be that good? I mean, he was good at Michigan. But really the, I know Robert Trailer for three things. One, his nickname was Tractor. Robert Tractor Trailer, you know, fits. Why not? Two, he was involved in the uh, Ed Martin scandal at Michigan where he was making, where he was receiving money from Ed Martin. Same with Chris Webber. Same with a lot of people in, in Michigan during at during the 90s. Three, he was in the trade for Dirk Nowitzki from Milwaukee to Dallas. So that's all I know on Robert Trailer. I again I think it's just because he was traded for Dirk Nowitzki. And I mean, like obviously the Mavericks knew something that everyone else didn't because they traded for him. Like, did anyone really know about Dirk Nowitzki other than the Mavericks? I bet I teams worked him out, I'm sure. But the Mavericks knew something that everyone else didn't, and the rest is history with that. Next up is Adam Morrison. This is tragic. Not like tragic as in Jay Williams, just the amount of pressure on Adam Morrison was immense. Adam Morrison is the reason Gonzaga is such a big basketball program. No, like, you cannot debate me on that. Adam Morrison is the reason. This guy was... I swear, it seemed like a four all, four-time all All-American because I swear it because I have a bunch of college basketball magazines because, you know, me, it's me. And Adam Morrison was in there a ton from, like, 02 to 06. And, man, they got so close at one point his senior year against UCLA. If you haven't seen that, look that up. That's just, it really puts you into perspective how much these people care about the sports they play. Gonzaga turns it over with like 10 seconds left. And UCLA hits a layup to, I think, go up by two. And, or maybe even more. I think they might have made a two-possession game. And... Gonzaga calls a timeout, and Adam Morrison just starts crying 
walking to the bench. Then once the buzzer sounds, he's devastated. And the amount of pressure put on him was so stupid. Like the pre, his pre-draft uh, comparison was Larry Bird. It's like, come on, man. No one's going to be like Larry Bird in, for their draft comparison. Stop doing that. It's like when uh, they, I think it was Deshaun Stevenson. Didn't they say he was going to be Michael Jordan in his uh, pre-draft comparison? Holy crap. That's, <laughs> that's terrible. But with Adam Morrison, he got drafted by the Bobcats, which was like one of the first picks the Bobcats ever made. It was like their fifth pick or something like that in the franchise history. Because our first one was a Mecca Okafor. In 05. Yeah, so this was like their third pick, probably, for the franchise. First star of Emeka Okafor, which, yikes. I mean, he was good in college. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, UConn, he was great, but didn't do well in the NBA. And then you got Adam Morrison. This guy's going to be Larry Bird? You kidding me? Wait, why can't he? why can't he play in the NBA? What's wrong with this guy? It's not the 80s anymore. That's plain and simple. It's not the A's anymore. He was really good in college because that fit his style. But he went nowhere. I think he played for, like, Charlotte, and then he went to the Lakers. Does Adam Morrison have a ring? Adam Morrison has two rings. Adam Morrison's better than Charles Barkley, guys. You... You know what I mean? I don't mean that. If you listen to a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about rings culture. Yeah. Uh, Bobcats and then the Lakers got two rings. Yeah, but uh, Adam Morrison, I have to agree with this. He is a bust, but it is very unfortunate. Why? Next up is Hashim B. Oh, my gosh, guys. I still don't get this one. I don't get how he wasn't that good. Because at that point in 2009, centers were still very dominant. I mean, they were kind of on the way out. But like 2009 is like the height of Dwight Howard's ability in the league. When he was just swatting every shot. And Hashim Thabit was seven foot three. He did really well at UConn. And I'm thinking, oh, this dude's 7-3? You gotta be kidding me. That's a cheat code. And I don't know what happened. I cannot tell you. I straight up cannot tell you what happened. I think it was just that he was too slow. But that one still gets me. Where I'm like, huh. I really thought he was going to be really good. And I mean, I was 8 at the time. So I mean, like take that with a grain of salt but I mean like from what I remember everyone thought he was gonna be good I don't know what happened it also it really doesn't help that James Harden was drafted after him he was the next pick and uh man that was a rough one Hashim Thabit man (laughs) look up his highlights in college he was solid 
Next up is Anthony Bennett. And man, do you, uh, you remember the draft in 2013? First of all, it's one of the worst drafts ever. Like all they have is Giannis in that draft. And I guess Oladipo. I mean, he's an all-star. Um, Here's what I remember, okay? For the whole year, and even up to the draft, all I heard was that the number one pick, which was to the Cavs, was going to go between Nerlens Noel and Ben McElmore. And I think what happens that Nerlens Noel's stock went down a little bit because that team ended up, they didn't make the tournament. They made the NIT, and then they lost in the first round of NIT to Robert Morris? I think it was shocking because everyone's like, oh, this, I mean, it's Kentucky. I mean, they're going to make a tournament at least. There are people saying that, like, preseason, this is the number one team in the country. They had Nerlens Noel who reclassified to be in this class. And they get bounced in the first round of the NIT. But then, like, you know, David Stern, he walks on up to the podium. And again, everyone is saying Macklemore and Noel. And I think Oladipo's thrown in there a little bit, but not as much. Steps up and he says, The first pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Anthony Bennett. And I remember the one thing I will never forget is Bill Simmons going, whoa, on the broadcast. (laughs) No one expected this. Anthony Bennett was projected to go, I don't know, seventh, maybe even not even top ten. And they take him number one. Oh, and by the way, Noel and McLemore, they went like six and seven in that draft. I mean, they weren't good. It's not like there were steals or anything, but all, all I remember hearing was, oh, who's it going to be? No, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, Anthony Bennett? What? That's just... Ah, man. And, yeah, there's no excuse for Anthony Bennett. He's just not that good. Like, from the Cavaliers, he was part of the... Trade for Kevin Love, I think. I think because it was Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love. And that was a young core for Anthony Bennett to work on his stuff, and he got nowhere. And then he went to the Nets, and then you're like, oh, now he plays in China. Yeah, yeah, kind of makes sense. And is he doing good in China? I don't even know. I feel like we'd be hearing about, like you hear about Jennifer Day. He's like, the next coming of Michael Jordan in China. Boy, I haven't heard anything about Anthony Bennett in China. Is he, does he even play anymore? Yeah, no excuse for Anthony Bennett. That was rough. Next up is Sam Bowie. Not a bust. I know. I know. Who was drafted after him? Michael Jordan. Charles Barkley. And Stockton. Stockton... No one was expecting Stockton the way that he was. He was picked 12th, pick so. With Sam Bowie, the only thing with Sam Bowie is that he got caught up 
in injuries because he was in Portland. And I still think this is true. Portland is cursed for big men. Sorry, out with Bill Walton. After they won their championship, Bill Walton messed up his foot and he like never played for the Trailblazers again. And he even got reincarnated in Boston. And then you have Sam Bowie, who wasn't like his femur or something like that. It was like a really obscure injury. But, uh, I mean, it's it's strictly because Jordan and Barkley were drafted after him. But busts are not, you can't call someone a bust when they have injuries. Let's just set that out right now. They're not a bust because of injuries. And Sam Bowie went on to have a solid career for the injury he had. He ended up being a role player. But, man, that... If you haven't seen the documentary in 1984 draft, I don't know if you can find it. Maybe on YouTube you can find it. But that one is good. It's by NBA Entertainment on NBA TV. That one is very good. Uh, Michael Oluwakandi. Candy. How about that, huh? Number one in 1998. And 1998, again, it's not like one of those drafts where you go, whoa, that's a good class. I mean, like, I think Paul Pierce was in it and a couple other, uh, like, Dirk was in it. But um, I remember when I would be home for the summer in, like, middle school or elementary school, uh, and I would just be watching NBA TV, getting ready for the draft. They would show old older drafts and saw 1998. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who's in it because I had no idea. First pick is Michael Candy, and I was like, yeah, uh, who? Because I had never heard of him before. Just And at that point, I was I had a lot of basketball cards. I knew quite a bit about basketball. Didn't know anything about this guy. And then I'm like, then I'm like, they drafted someone from Pacific, number one overall. You've got to be kidding me, dude. Pacific? Where they're playing nothing but no one but like Sacramento State the whole time? And I tried to go on College of Basketball Reference and find stuff for them. They didn't keep track of like the games for them. Which, I mean, of course, it's Pacific in 1998. I mean, the only people that are probably going to be doing stats is like people at the school. There's like no... Like, game logs or nothing. All they have is just averages. And I, I and this is the most Clippers thing ever. They drafted Michael Candy. Oh, man. That's brutal, dude. Really? Pacific College. I can't get over that because that was literally my first thought. They drafted someone from Pacific. Pacific is like where if someone was really good at Pacific, you get them late first round or not, maybe not even that because I don't even know if they made a tournament that year. If they made a tournament, they did very well. I can understand a late first round. 
But normally, if you're someone from Pacific, you're going late second or you're getting picked up in free agency, bud. Like, holy candy. <laughs> and that made me laugh when I saw that. Next up is Kwame Brown. And, um, man, I, I there's nothing for Kwame Brown for me. It's just... Uh, Michael Jordan as a GM, that's it right there for you. When Michael Jordan's making the picks, you're not, it's not going to be great for you. Remember at one point I was looking through like all the Hornets picks, like since Jordan was a, uh, was their GM. They have like no one. Like they, you either trade for someone. So like they're, I think their best one was like Miles Bridges. And now it's like LaMelo Ball. But when it's like, wow, the best is like Miles Bridges. Really? That's rough, dude. That's. Oh, and like Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker was the best one, but then it's like. Yeah, I mean, but he left. So there's that. But I think the story of Kwame Brown is that MJ had him and Tyson Chandler play one-on-one to see who would get drafted. And you're like, dude, that's. I get it's MJ. He's very competitive. That's not how that goes. Again, I'm 20. I know that's not how that goes. But the one thing for Kwame Brown, I can say. Him and Kobe combined for 83 points in a game. Astounding, right? Absolutely incredible. (laughs) <laughs> the night when Kobe had 81. Kwame had two. So, you know, him and Kobe combined for 83 points. You can't say that about any other duo. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Kwame Brown. That's a, that's one. I have a, I have a rookie card of his. Again, like, I've already said I'm not selling any of my cards. I know I'm, I wouldn't be able to sell that card. <laughs> the only person who would is, like, a diehard Kwame Brown fan. Maybe I can give it to his high school. I don't know. Man, Kwame is a rough one. Uh, Next up is Greg Oden. Here's, again, not a bust. Way too many injuries, not a bust. This is also a center that went to Portland and couldn't stay healthy. Wow. Wow. And this is where I'm like, yeah, Portland's definitely cursed with centers. You cannot draft centers in Portland. I've, I swear, it's almost like Bill Walton made a deal with someone, I don't know, whatever you think, insert name here, and uh, just won championship, and it's like, okay, every center that is drafted by Portland is now plagued from now on. Okay. And Bill Walton's like, I don't I don't care. I'm going to go bike to Mexico. It's like, okay. I don't know what else to do with anything, but you do you, Bill. But Greg Oden, it's someone that I fight for quite a bit because he's an Indiana guy. I mean, he was born in New York. But he went to Lawrence North High School, 
where they lost three games in three years when he was there. Him and Mike Conley, they go to, they were at high school here. They go to Ohio State. Get really close to beating Florida in the national championship game. And that Florida team was insane. Al Horford, Joakim Noah, Corey Brewer, Torin Green. Team was good. And, uh, he, he gets drafted to Portland. And again, it's just because KD was the next pick. But I'm like, I swear, if Odin is injury-free, they're, he's, I swear, he's, he's one of the top players in the league right now if he is not. And I stand by that. Every time someone says Greg Odin's a bust, I just, I like start boiling on the inside. Because it's just simply not true. You cannot call someone a bust if they have injuries. Just can't. And finally, I'm only going to go through the uh, NBC Sports article that's going on a lot longer than I thought. Number one is Darko Milicic. Um, And yeah, 100%. And they even say here, he has no excuses. It's not like he went to Denver to rot, kind of, well, mellow. He did really well in Denver. Just never really had postseason success. Didn't really go to Toronto and rot, which Bosch made, Chris Bosch made him to a playoff team. Didn't go to Cleveland and rot, which he would have done if he would have went to Cleveland. But LeBron, you know, he had so, so much willpower to make Cleveland work. They took him to the NBA Finals. Darko got drafted by the Pistons, who had, at that point, won a championship. I think they won the championship the year before, the year they drafted them. Because it was involved in a trade how they got that pick. And it's it's unfortunate because Joe Dumars was the GM, and I love Joe Dumars, man. He was a really good player back in the bad boys era. You know, bad boys and all that. You know, great stories with Joe Dumars from McNeese State. No one ever's, no one has ever heard of McNeese State except for when you bring up Joe Dumars. But he drafted Darko. That just makes it so much worse. And it goes down the line where, man, those uh, bad boys Pistons are not good general managers. Joe Dumars drafts Darko Milicic. Isaiah Thomas is probably one of the worst. I mean, New York couldn't do anything with him. And that was really bad. When, like, New Yorkers are saying, like, dude, you're almost as bad as James Dolan. Like, that's where, hold on. But, uh, yeah, Darko... I don't, how did we even find out about Darko? Because in 2003, at that point in time, scouting is okay. I mean, it's not like you have like uh, Mike Fratello just being like, oh yeah, this guy's good, this guy's good. All these guys are good. It's like, how do you know this much? Do, like, how much is your travel fare? Like, you get like, you must have a million miles on your card. Just in reward system. Like, you, you've got to be flying first class, and it's free every time now. 
But uh, I don't know what's up with Darko, man. And now it's like he's back in his home country. He's a farmer now. And it's like, oh, wow. That's uh, that's rough. It's a rough one. But yeah, Darko. I don't know, man. How? It's just tough. It's because it's in the best draft class ever. Well, oh, hang on. That's a little. It's not the best draft class yet. Once it's all said and done, probably. 1984, in my opinion, is still better. But he's in one of the best draft classes of all time. Him and Sam Bowie, man, the number two picks for their respective draft classes. And, uh, yeah, Dar- Sam Bowie, you're right. Oh, yeah, he was injured. People still call him a bust, but he's not because he had injuries. Darko had nothing against him. And he still couldn't make it work. So that'll be it for this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. Um, next week, I'm not really sure what the topic's going to be. I'm kind of working on something. I have a speech class, and I might be uh, having something from there where I explain what I'm talking about. It's all basketball-related, obviously. But, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for listening. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at DeVerhart00, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.